0: Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how social
1: connection may be as basic of a human need as hunger, the ongoing scientific debate around how ice skating actually works, and a unique approach to sleep allegedly used by Leonardo da Vinci and Nikola Tesla.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. We've been doing this whole pandemic thing for a hot minute now, right? I mean, it's been about a year. And along with that, a lot of us are very socially isolated. And today, we've got the science to explain why we're still craving social interaction. And I mean craving. After all, loneliness can sometimes feel like a pit in your stomach. Well, as it turns out, there's some evidence that social connection is a basic human need, just like hunger. We crave social contact in almost the same way we crave food. And here's how scientists figured this out. For a study published in Nature Neuroscience, researchers asked 40 adults to each come to the lab for two separate 10-hour sessions. The first session was like quarantine, but worse. The participants couldn't use their phones or view social media or have face-to-face contact with other people. Yikes. And during the second trip to the lab, the participants fasted. They could drink water, but they couldn't have anything to eat for 10 hours. After each of these sessions, the participants looked at pictures of whatever they had been deprived of. So, either people having social interactions, or plates of delicious food, or unrelated pictures of flowers. While they looked at the pictures, researchers scanned their brains with an fMRI machine. When the team looked at the brain scans, they noticed that the same part of the brain responded to both images of food and images of people. That part of the brain is called the substantia nigra and ventral tegmental area. But what's important is that it's responsible for reward processing. What the researchers saw was evidence that, just like hunger, loneliness is a signal that we're missing something important and that we need to take action. Now, that being said, being alone doesn't necessarily mean a person is lonely. I mean, when you choose solitude for a while, you can walk away feeling rested and restored. Most people had negative reactions to the forced isolation of the experiment, but not everyone feels lonely after the same period of isolation. Loneliness is subjective. It's your brain's response to not having enough human connection, whatever enough means to you. The amount of necessary human connection probably varies from person to person, and that's what this team wants to research next. I mean, what kind of social connection do we need and how much is necessary for the body to turn off that craving feeling? Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, the number of people who felt lonely was on the rise. This new research is pretty important and could help people meet their needs for social connection, both during the pandemic and beyond.
1: Figure skating is the oldest sport in the Winter Olympics. But the debate behind how ice skating actually works dates back even further than its 1908 Olympic debut. You'd think we'd know by now why ice is slippery, right? Well, this matter of physics has proven difficult to get a grip on.
0: Ha! Get it? Grip, physics, skating, (laughs) Olympics.
1: Sure. Those are all things we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Ice itself isn't slippery. It's actually a tiny bit of water on top of the ice that makes it slick enough to skate on. But how that thin layer of water even gets there has baffled scientists for years. One theory is pressure. In 1850, Michael Faraday showed an audience at London's Royal Institution how pressing two ice cubes together could make them form into a single block. He believed the pressure between the two cubes created a thin layer of water that quickly refreezes. But pressure doesn't pass muster in terms of ice skating. Even an overweight ice skater wouldn't be able to create enough pressure between skate and ice to get it melting. Maybe instead, the friction of the moving skate heats up the ice enough to create a bit of water to glide on. But that doesn't explain why ice is slippery even when you're not skating. So, in 2015, a scientist in Germany named Bo Persson came up with a breakthrough idea. He figured that if sliding on the ice at a certain speed actually created a film of melted water, you'd expect the ice to get way more slippery at that magical sliding speed. But his experiments said that wasn't the case. Instead, the ice gets gradually more slippery as you slide faster and faster. So, instead... He said that two different things are happening thanks to the interaction of friction and ice temperature. If you're sliding fast enough, you produce enough heat from friction to form that film of water. When you're not sliding fast enough, the frozen ice puts up resistance, which leads to friction, and that helps your skates create enough heat to form the film anyway. Still, the exact reason as to why ice skates can glide so smoothly and easily is a mystery. The problem lies in the inability to get in between the skate and the ice in a plane called the Buried Interface while the skate is contacting the ice in slow motion. So even if you're not completely wowed by an Olympic figure skater's triple saucow, just the fact that they're skating on ice at all is itself an impressive feat of physics.
0: Not all sleep is created equal. And with a lot of schedules and routines being thrown off these days, now might be a good time to try a new way of getting
1: rest. Right. And that's why we remastered this classic clip from 2018 that
0: we'll play for you now. What's the least amount of sleep you can run on?
1: Oh, gosh. No sleep, I guess. I can run on it. (laughs) Doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant.
0: Have you noticed it get exponentially more difficult in the last five or six years? To to get less sleep. To just, yeah, to to survive survive the next day.
1: Yes, I definitely have. And I've made a bigger effort to really try to get that sleep in. yeah I remember, yeah, in college, it was like four hours a night and I was just fine.
0: College was awesome. If you're listening to this and you're in college and you can survive off no sleep, enjoy it while you can. Yeah. It's the best.
1: But also life gets better after college, so.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, no life stage is perfect. Yep. But if you are listening and you think you need more than four hours of sleep, then... You might want to think again, because allegedly, Leonardo da Vinci and Nikola Tesla stuck to an almost impossible-sounding sleep cycle. Today we present to you the Uberman sleep cycle. It's a polyphasic sleep cycle, which means you sleep several times in a 24-hour period. Most of us probably just sleep once, which is a monophasic sleep cycle. In the Uberman sleep cycle, you take six 20-minute naps, evenly distributed, throughout your day. Forever. That's your life. (laughs) And according to the Polyphasic Society, you can adjust the system in a non-equidistant way to fit your needs. So a little variety might still work. It's an intense sleep schedule, but science suggests it can work. A 1989 study published in Work and Stress found that polyphasic sleep strategies improved prolonged sustained performance. So not only do you have more time to do what you have to do, you'll maybe even get better results when you do it. And the Uberman sleep cycle can radically change how much time you have. Leonardo da Vinci supposedly slept 15 minutes out of every 4 hours, so was slight variation on this. That's a daily total of an hour and a half of sleep. That could have given him an extra 6 productive hours a day. Da Vinci lived for 67 years, so he would have gained an extra 20 years of productivity over his lifetime. But Tesla allegedly never slept more than two hours in a given 24-hour period, and, well, he had a mental breakdown when he was 25. So, it's not for everyone. Tim Ferriss talks about polyphasic sleep in his book, The 4-Hour Body, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you want to take your body hacking to the next level. Just be aware of the risks involved and let us know how it goes for you. All right, well, let's
1: recap today's takeaways, starting with the fact that brain scans suggest that social connection may be a basic human need like hunger. The same part of the brain lit up when people were exposed to images of people or food after they'd been deprived of either one. Just remember that being alone and feeling lonely are two separate things.
0: The story changed the way I empathize with people during the coronavirus pandemic because I've got friends and family that are like, I just got to see somebody. and. There's the logic part of my brain that says, "No, you don't. you got to stay home and save lives and not spread this thing that has the whole world shut down, but some people are just like they just need it so badly and it and you know, I don't think the takeaway from this is just let people go out and do whatever they want, but I do think that it certainly warrants a reexamining of of the way that we talk to other people who say that they desperately desperately need to just interact with somebody. Because maybe they do. Then you got to figure out a way to do it. Fortunately, we have technology to help us do that. So that's 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 a nice plus.
1: Yeah. Just because not doing a thing will help stop this pandemic earlier doesn't mean that we're not missing that thing. Right. Like social connection is still important and we can't brush it off. And understanding the specific ways that people are suffering is a good way to build empathy, like you were saying. Yeah.
0: And we also learned that there is still hot debate around how ice skating actually works. Maybe the friction from the skate produces enough heat to form a film of water on the ice. But this kind of thing's pretty hard to study since researchers can't really look at that buried interface, which is the spot between the skate and the ice while the skate is in motion. We've got some pretty good technology, but (laughs) that's pretty specific. I hope
1: they do. I don't know enough about this subject to really say, but It feels like something we could do. It feels like we have the technology at this point, but that particular discovery just needs to be important enough for someone to make.
0: I hope. You keep asking whether we could, but Ashley, who's asking whether we should?
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: Jurassic Park on ice. What if that was like the 12th movie in the franchise? Just dinosaurs ice skating around. I would watch that movie. It would be the next Cats.
1: (laughs) Perfect. And we learned that the Uberman sleep cycle consists of six 20-minute naps distributed evenly throughout your day. It's also known as a polyphasic sleep schedule, and it was supposedly used by great minds like Leonardo da Vinci and Nikola Tesla. Maybe do some research before you try it for yourself so you understand the risks, but hey, who knows? Maybe it'll work for you.
0: New year, new you.
1: It sure beats the Uber sleep cycle, which is where you just sleep in the backseat of a stranger's car while they drive you around the city. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm very familiar with that sleep cycle from trips to <laughs> and from the airport actually <laughs> today's stories were written by kelsey dunk and joni filetto and edited by ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for curiosity daily
1: script writing was by cody goff and sonia hodgen today's episode was produced and edited by cody goff
0: go take a nap then join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes
1: and until then stay curious